Hey guys, this week's episode is brought to you by You Need a Budget. They're an easy to use online and mobile budgeting tool that helps you keep an eye on your money so you can save and spend where you want to. Get your free three-month trial by signing up at ynab.com slash YHL. There's no code, just sign up at ynab.com slash YHL. I'm John. And I'm Sherry. We like home stuff. We like talking. And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home. Today we're sharing how spending our entire summer in a smaller house and a smaller town changed how we look at life here in Richmond, plus the start of our long-awaited master bath reno, and I predict the 2020 color of the year. It's been way too long since we've talked about bathrooms. Giving the people what they want. Yes, it is a staple of this podcast. People (laughs) expect some toilet talk because we are in an exciting moment where with like the beach house and the duplex effectively checked off. I mean, we're working on some stuff at both, but we can sort of refocus our attention on big projects here in Richmond and specifically the big projects we've been putting off for now six years, our master bathroom. Which is not to say that we haven't wanted a new master bathroom the entire six years because we have. It was covered in wallpaper. I ripped that down. We did a little bit of painting to brighten things up, but we are still living with like royal blue tile on three walls of a shower that also has a curtain. So it's very, very dark in there. There's not a light in there. We have about 10 million doors in a very small space that all want to close on to one another. We've removed a couple of them, but between like the linen closet door and the actual bathroom door and the closet door and all that stuff, it's a layout mess. We've talked about it on the podcast before in sort of that kind of like dreamy someday once we aren't distracted by other things we will get to this like we've been fantasizing about it a lot right because we finally figured out what we want now we just have to figure out how to get it yeah where we were the mode we were in for the past six years was debating daydreaming changing our minds yeah now we've moved into this definitive range where we know exactly what we want we just have to execute it so i would call what we're in right now the beginning of the renovation we are going to gut this room this fall or this winter like it is upon us Yes, I don't think we're going to be gutting it in the next like few days or weeks because well, maybe weeks. Well, maybe weeks, but have I, you met me? <laughs> I have. Are we married or not? <laughs> We've been through this before. But just everyone remember John saying it won't be in the next few weeks because it will be in the next yeah, few we're weeks. Come home and there's going to be a hole in the wall. <laughs> but as much as we are clear on what we want, I want to make sure that we are still thoughtful about putting it together. Like I want to take some time here that underlined time to sort of relearn Google SketchUp so it can kind of like make a 3D plan and stuff, you know, like be really detailed about these things because it's going to be a small, compact space. And we have to be careful about what we want to cram in there because we know we want to try to do a freestanding tub and separate shower. Yes, we do. You heard it here. I want a bean feast. Do you guys get that reference from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? I'm that girl, and I'm like, I want the world. I want the whole world. I want a heated floor. I want a tub and a shower. I want a nice big vanity. I want to add a window into the closet to give me more light. This is the part where you drop through the golden goose trap door. Well, then John's like, but we have a budget. Yes. <laughs> it's mostly just, you know, making sure that it can all fit in there and that it is all working the best it can because... We like the idea of like a large double vanity, but I don't think two sinks is on our must list. Like I think a second sink is something we'd be willing to give up in exchange for other space. 
I know I'm going to hear from you guys who are like, two sinks are the key to my marriage. Yeah. The reason we'd say that is we've had two sinks. We only use one of them. And in other houses, we've had a nice big vanity with just a center sink. And we actually appreciate the space instead of two sinks taking up a lot of the counter. Yeah, we like the counter space. Although I did point out to Sherry that I do trim my beard in the other sink. So she might sing a different tune once she has to work around beard trimmings. You forgot about my solution. What? Which I just don't shave? No, I was going to make you a beard trimming zone and I was going to tape blue tape on the floor in the garage and say, stand here and trim your beard. I'll put a mirror on the wall. (laughs) Sherry will have her heated floors, but I will be shaving (laughs) in the garage. I hope people know that this is a joke. Well, whatever happens, I think we are sorting through our sort of must-haves and our nice-to-haves because I think we have a linen closet in there right now and sometimes linen closets in the bathroom are convenient, you know, for your extra towels. But I think we could do without because we have a hall linen closet that we can easily fit things into. So that's another thing that's sort of lower on the list for us. Right. We have two linen closets. Who needs that? Not us. People with lots of linens. We have like one set of sheets, guys. We are not the people who need two linen closets. So I think you'll be hearing us talk about this a lot more as we work through the renovation. If you follow us on Instagram, you've already seen us rearranging our bedroom as we try to make sure that the bedroom is in the best spot because if we end up having to steal space from the bedroom, I want to make sure that we don't disturb the perfection of the bedroom if we get it perfect just for the bathroom's sake. Like I want to make both of those spaces their best. Right. It would stink to renovate the bathroom and then realize we made a fatal flaw in the bedroom ever being wonderful. Suddenly we don't have room for a bed. <laughs> that would be bad. That would be a bad decision. <laughs> that would be bad. Can I tell you the one thing I woke up this morning and decided I definitely want? It's going to throw you for a loop. In the bathroom? Everyone's going to hear John spiral right Wait, now. hold on. I have to guess. Well, I'm going to spiral? You're going to spiral. You're going to tell me we can't do it and I'm going to say we will do it. Mark my words. What could this be? I want a double door entry. Like I want two French frosted doors because I think that would be so beautiful from our bedroom. It would make our bedroom feel more masterful. It would make the bathroom feel more masterful. It would allow light into the bathroom from the bedroom, which has three big windows. It would. I mean, I don't disagree that that would be nice. I'm going to make it work. What if the toilet is just right beyond that door? No, I feel like we can do this, especially with your use of SketchUp. Nothing can stop us now. <laughs> we shall see, I guess. That was a spiral. I predicted that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm keeping it on the inside. They're screaming on the inside. <laughs> okay, we need to move on. We need to play a game. Everybody's favorite season is upon us, guys. No, not fall. I'm talking about color of the year season. Mm. This is when all of the paint companies and stuff are starting to announce their color of the year for next year. So what is going to be the color in 2020? And humans everywhere are like, no, I hate that color. Or yeah, I like that color. And guess what? The internet never agrees. No, no one ever agrees. And there are always difference between the different brands, you know, like Valspar and Bear and Benjamin Moore and Sherwin-Williams and Pantone. Like they all try to do something different. Although doesn't that kind of drill down into the deeper thought, which should be if the colors of the year from everyone are not all the same, we should all realize just pick the color you like. Well, but you know, more and more, they're also releasing like colors of the year. Like these are the palettes. So it is understood that there's not one single color. But you know, around here, Sherry likes to predict what these colors will be each year. So With I like fi- a 0.05 accuracy. Yeah. 
So I thought before they start to all roll out, we should get Sherry on the record guessing what she thinks the color of the year will be. So I should point out at this moment in time of the recording, only one company has released theirs that I have seen. Bear has released their color of the year for 2020. We have not seen the other ones yet. They may come out between this recording and the release. So I just wanted to point out that we are not working with any insider information here. We don't know what they're going to choose. Wait, but are you going to tell me what Bear picked? So Bear's color for 2020 is called Back to Nature. Mm, it's a green. Yeah, it's kind of like I wrote. A Wait a minute. S- I'm just going to call it. It's a greeny, taupey gray. It's the green that everyone's using on their cabinets right now and their no, wainscoting. You're already no? wrong. What is it? <laughs> Off to a bad start. <laughs> Was it like diarrhea brownie green? No, no, no. I described it as like a sagey aloe. Like it's less gray than you were talking about. Oh, and it's, it's not, not the moodiest. No, it's not as dark. It's like almost a succulent leaf color. Okay, I could get down with that. Um, Better than diarrhea green. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Guys, I'm really good at these quizzes. <laughs> Everybody's favorite color. <laughs> Sherry, the last segment was about bathrooms, not this one. <laughs> so maybe I should recap yes, some of the other Yes, tell me like Sherwin-Williams' last five or three. I didn't write down all five, but I did write the last three. So you mentioned Sherwin-Williams first. So in 2017, they did Poised Taupe. Oh yeah, Poised Taupe. It was hot dog. No, no, no. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Hot dog, as we affectionately call it, was last year's color of the year by Sherwin-Williams, Cavern Clay. Okay, sorry. Cavern Clay. Guys, the exact color of a hot dog. (laughs) Like an uncooked, porky little hot dog rolling around in a 7-Eleven. As you can tell, Sherry loved it. (laughs) Um, and the the year between those two colors was Oceanside, so like a bluey. I feel like that um, Sherwin Williams is going to do a very peachy, light pink. Not millennial pink, because it's going to be even blushier than that. Like, it will be called like First Blush, or Nature's Kiss, or... Um, bleached Hot Dog. No, not Bleached Hot Dog. Like, Quartz. Okay. Crystal Quartz. You know, the like light, I know light what, pink color? I know what color. you're saying, but... Rose Quartz. I already know you're wrong. Dang! I don't know the color... But Mandy at Vintage Revivals has been building and painting this playhouse to help announce the color. And she's been sharing the pictures in black and white on Instagram. And I think the color is going to be very dark. Oh, dang it. I could be wrong. Okay, she- then guys, everything I just said for Bear. <laughs> no, for, <laughs> for, for Benjamin Be- Moore. <laughs> I feel like it's a solid guess. A very light peachy pink is still very much in and a different color than millennial pink. Okay. If you're putting that onto Benjamin Moore, I think that tracks because Benjamin Moore, they did shadow in 2017. Right. A very deep gray color. Yeah. Then caliente in 2018. Which was a rich coral color. Yeah. Like a fiery um, color. And then metropolitan, which was a soft gray. Gray. Yeah. They might be doing a rose quartz. Yeah. They could. First blush. They could. Um, Do you want to... Venture a new guess for Sherwin-Williams? Okay, a dark color. Let me think. I mean, it could just be a very rich, deep, brownie gray color. Like a, See, a taupey, tan brown. It could, but I think they're going to go more in the green, like maybe a deep green color. Because those are very trendy right now, and they haven't done something like that in the last And Mandy years. loves that color and would make a playhouse that color. Yeah. So, See, but the thing is, didn't they already do a green? No, none of the previous ones. Not were. in the last three years. But maybe Bear did that. a green. That's what you just told me. Yep. Bear did a light green. They'll do a dark green. Okay, I fully buy into that. It's going to be like a deep evergreen, or it might be like a, a tanny brown, like nature taupe color. Okay. Um, do you want to try for Pantone? 
Pantone always does something much crazier, yeah, usually. They're typically. very bright. Like three years ago in 2017, it was greenery, which was like a very vibrant green. Uh-huh. Then it was ultraviolet. Don't you guys remember when everyone painted their rooms ultraviolet? <laughs> no. Exactly. Well, you know, Pantone is not just about home decor. I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then last year was Living Coral, or this year, 2019. Living Coral. I feel like I called that one too. Okay, let me see what this year for Pantone. Sometimes I feel like I have the Pantone vibe better than anything else. Wouldn't it be funny if they picked the same electric blue color in our shower? (laughs) (laughs) I did think maybe they would do sort of like an aqua or a turquoise color. Yeah, I could see that. Or like a greeny blue. So it's like a sea glass or something. Yeah. They also have been known to do things like yellows or oranges. I know, but I don't think they're going to do that this year. It's not a very orange-yellow year. And they just did fluorescent in? Fluorescent is in, but I could see them. Okay, so they could do like a neon yellow. Yeah. I'm going to go with like a sea glass blue-green, still saturated but not dark color from okay. Pantone. Because I think the coral color was very saturated and very warm, so I could see them going lighter saturation, cool. Okay, so let's recap real quick because we were all over the place. Yeah, we were. Sherwin-Williams, you think it's going to be a deep, naturey brown or green. Mm-hmm. Benjamin Moore, you think, is going to be a blushy millennial pink. No, lighter than millennial pink, like light quartz or like it's almost a white, but it has a tint of peach or pink in it. Okay, I said blush. Okay. And Pantone, you think, is going to be like a bright sea glassy green or blue. Yeah, not even super bright, just a blue-green, not super grayed out, not super subtle, but not deep either. Okay, maybe for the show notes, I'll have you actually like pinpoint... Uh, color. It doesn't have to be like a real paint swatch, but like an actual color I can put in the show notes so we can hold you to it. And then we can do an update and it can be like, I got 0% correct. (laughs) And also in the show notes, I'll try to put links to some of our past episodes about colors of the year. I feel like sometimes I get them right, but it's usually because I ramble on long enough and mention something and I I get it right. I did let you name three different ones. (laughs) But next we wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about the summer since we're still sort of recapping all the things you guys missed while we were away. I know last week we talked about sort of the lessons learned about managing a rental and the actual like duplex itself. But this week we want to talk about what we learned from living in Cape Charles pretty much all summer. Sort of the things we took away from living in a smaller house in a smaller town for about two and a half months straight. Because we were effectively residents of Cape Charles this summer. We decided to be there all summer apart from a couple trips and coming back to Richmond to check on things so that we could be on hand for the duplex. And also just to enjoy Cape Charles for the summer. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that was a big part of it. Like, I think it turned out being probably one of the best summers of our lives because we got to spend so much time as a family in a beautiful place doing awesome things. Remember that episode a long time ago where I begged John, like, let us just make our home base Cape Charles instead of going back and forth. It was so great to do that because we just felt settled instead of living out of a suitcase going back and forth. Yeah, I think we had a great summer personally. We had a great first summer renting. And I think it actually taught us a lot about how we live our lives here. I was telling Sherry, I feel like I was somewhere between uh, like personal aha and an existential crisis. (laughs) Because it was like everything that I was used to was upended in some weird ways that made us kind of revisit some important parts about how we live life in Richmond. We both had moments where we're like, why do we live that way? Like, why are we making those choices? And the simplified, slower pace of living in a much smaller town in a much smaller house 
was contrast. And it so yes. very easily highlighted the difference and made us question if we were doing it all wrong back in Richmond. Right, right. <laughs> well, not all wrong, but I would say there are four areas that we learned some big lessons in and we're able to actually take some actions here at home now that we're sort of like back into real life with school started and everything and being in Richmond full time again. And so we wanted to sort of recap those four things for you today. The first couple are on this sort of like simplifying, minimizing thing we've been talking about off and on. I feel like we had gotten to a place where our house here and our routines here were very simple, but being in that smaller house without all of our stuff was a wake-up call to how much extra stuff we still have and things we still don't really need. The best way to describe it is that your eyes adjust. So you go to the beach house, you live smaller, you have less, there's less clutter. You know, it's just like the place where you buy things as you need them instead of moving stuff you've had with you for 15 years yeah. into it. Yeah. And so then when you go home, your eyes adjust the other way. Yeah, they're like, like shocked. Right. Your eyes pop out of your head when you see certain drawers or closets or rooms. Yeah. And for context, our house here in Richmond is about 3,000 square feet um, now that we finished that bonus room a few years ago of the garage. And the beach house is closer to about 1,800 square feet. So a little more than half. And I know 1,800 square feet is not necessarily a small house. like Right. To some people in a tiny apartment, that's huge. Right. Exactly. But it's smaller for us. It's certainly a contrast. Right. And it's four bedrooms, but we really only use two of those bedrooms because the other two are guest rooms. And our two kids sleep in a bunk room there that has a floor space of like probably five feet by seven feet. Yeah. It's the size of like a half bathroom it's tiny yeah and they love it but that's different here in richmond they each have their own bedrooms and they're pretty big yeah well and that actually brings me to the first thing that we took a minimizing exercise to which was toys we have talked about getting rid of toys and minimizing our kids toys as it is i don't want to paint the picture like our kids have nothing (laughs) because i still think they have plenty they have so much but if you listen to the podcast episode that was like why we got rid of half our toys i'll put it in the show notes we went on a vacation had this big realization our kids played deeper and more happily with fewer toys that they loved instead of having a million toys to dump on the floor and throw everywhere in order to get to the one toy they actually play with like drowning in a sea of too many toys is a real thing yes and we came home from that and halved our kids toys yes and it was great i think after the vacation you could sort of talk yourself out of it and say like well they can get by for a week but our kids quote-unquote got by and had a great summer for over two months with fewer toys and so it reminded us that still they don't necessarily need or play with as much as they have because at the beach house we basically have one dresser with games and some play-doh they have a few toys in their room and they have an art desk and that's pretty much it And I think it became that way because the house was just a place we went for weekends or for like a a long weekend. So we didn't load it with a bunch of toys. They were just bringing whatever fit in the suitcase. And we didn't really change that approach for the summer because we knew we were going to be there summer. We didn't say like, fill a trunk, kids. Right. Instead, we brought like a few of their favorite stuffed animals, which they always travel with. We had games already at the beach house. We had art supplies already at the beach house. We did not bring very much at all. And we always said, well, we'll go back home if we need more. Spoiler alert, we never needed more. Yeah. I think for our kids, and I know every kid is different, basically all summer, they kept themselves entertained with art supplies. So, you know, paper, markers, scissors, tape, cardboard boxes, board games. You know, we have a few board games and card games that we played together. They're stuffed animals. Yeah, they love their stuffed animals. They brought just a few. We didn't bring all of them, just a few for them to sleep with and they played with those. And also books, like not just reading books, but comic books, activity books, like those things kept our kids 
plenty entertained throughout the summer. And I should throw in there, obviously, like we went to the beach a lot. They spent a lot of time outside and they also watched TV. We didn't have like a no TV summer. So there were other things that occupied their time. But toy wise, they didn't even like touch the Play-Doh and the Legos we had more than once. Right. That's the funny thing is there even was excess at the beach house, which is weird because that's our example of a place that's very rudimentary and doesn't have a lot of extra stuff. And when we came home, not only were Sherry and I sort of taken aback by how many extra toys they have that they don't touch, even our kids sort of recognized it. Like we went through a process with our daughter where we realized she had an overflow of stuffed animals in her room and she would be okay without them. She even asked to sell some dolls she wasn't using anymore so that she could buy a book that she has wanted. Right. Like she's a little minimalist. (laughs) Makes me so happy. I'm not sure she's there quite yet. She saves every pen cap she's ever had. The pen can die. She wants to keep the cap for some reason. So still a child scavenger as they all are. Yes. But she's seeing the light to like more isn't better, which makes me happy because I think we all as grownups could learn that lesson and be better off that we're not just striving to have more things that we then need to maintain and replace if they go And find space for. Right. Exactly. Like less can really be a great gift. Well, and more than toys, the thing I think that surprised me the most was clothing. You know, we've already talked about how you have a very minimal wardrobe and we generally don't own as many clothes as probably most people do. But let's paint a picture. At the beach house, Sherry and I share one dresser with three drawers. It's one of those malm dressers from Ikea. But not the six drawer malm, the three drawer malm, the skinny malm. I get two drawers. John's a runner, so his bottom drawer is athletic clothes, top drawer is clothes, and I get the middle drawer. Inexplicably, we didn't bulk your drawers together. We put my drawer right in the middle of your drawers. Yeah, I don't know. One drawer, guys. I lived in one narrow drawer, and it was fine. And I know we have to definitely recognize we don't have office jobs, obviously. You'd need way more clothes if you were going to meetings and showing up at work. I should point out also, like, summer clothes are smaller than winter clothes. So I don't think you and I could live full-time in that small of a space. But I was impressed and pleasantly surprised that we did for a whole summer. And at the end of the summer, when I was packing stuff up to take home, I found things in the back of my drawer that I had not touched in weeks. Even our kids, like they stay in that bunk room we talked about, and there's room for one of those cube organizers, kind of like the old Ikea Expedits. This one's from Target. I don't know what it's called. But they each lived all summer with just two cubes. So they had like clothes in one cube and PJs and bathing suits in another one. We're talking about 13 by 13 inch cube baskets. So like two of those per kid was their entire wardrobe. It's probably the equivalent of a drawer or two, but not very much. And granted, they are only five and nine. So they're not the largest clothes. But still. But we fully anticipated like we might need overflow clothes in a suitcase, in another room, or in a dresser in another room. And everything fit in their tiny little bunk room in those tiny cubes. Well, and the same thing happened was that at the end of the summer, there was clothes in the bottom that they hadn't touched in a while. And so I was just surprised by not only were we able to do the whole summer in such a little space, but we still had excess in such a little space. So just like the toys, when we got home after Labor Day, we went through everyone's drawers and pared down. Like I looked in my closet and I was like, okay, if I didn't touch you know, five of the shirts in my drawer in Cape Charles, and I certainly didn't touch five of the shirts still hanging back in Richmond. Why do I have all of them? Why are they taking up space? The other big realizations we had was less about living in a small space and more about living in a small town. So maybe those of you who already live in a small town will be like, well, no, duh. But for us coming from like suburbia here in Richmond, where we have shopping centers and strip malls and targets like in every direction, 
Going to a small town that is basically less than a square mile is a big change for how we spent our money and where we spent our money. I don't want to say that we spent less because I don't think we spent less over the summer, but we spent a lot less on what I categorize as like errand money or even home decor stuff, like the things that we often like throw in our cart at Target. Right. Like when you run an errand and you grab something like, oh, I'm in the grocery store, but I'll also grab this like cute game book for the kids. Like just the random things like near the checkout you grab or at Target, I could easily roll in and see a really pretty wooden bowl and be like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this, but I need it. Yeah. And like by not entering a Target and only having one grocery store in the entire town, which is a food line, which doesn't have a lot of that extra stuff in like the gifty department. Yeah. Our spending shifted away from these sort of convenient purchases or fun purchases like less home decor, less clothing, just like less random stuff you throw in your cart and more towards essentials like food. Our food bill went up. That's why I said we didn't spend less because I think between food being generally more expensive in Cape Charles and also spending money on like summary activities, I think our spending was probably fairly level. But I think what it taught me about ourselves, like now that we're back at home, is that we do spend a lot of unnecessary money maybe on errand running because I think we see errands as being productive of checking things off the list like oh the kids need more vitamins or we're almost out of milk like let's add it to the list and then tonight we're going to go out and grab it look we are so good at checking things off our to-do list right but I realize every time you run an errand you inevitably get things you probably didn't need and so the more times you go out the more stuff you are buying Yes, there's like the frequency of using a lot of gas, using more time, going multiple times a week, and also every time you're put in that aisle where you see something cute and might put it in your cart, you're wasting money. So our new resolution after being home is that we want to run errands much less and we want to bulk them. Yes. Like make a list of things we need at Target. Might take us a week to get there. Maybe by the time we get there, we cross two things off the list because we realized that was silly and didn't even need them. Like the waiting period only helps you buy less. And the infrequency wards off too many impulse purchases if you're going all the time. Yeah, I think this is gonna be hard for you because you're someone who likes keeping lists and you like to check things off your list. And so if it's the evening and we have the opportunity to relax or the opportunity to say like, hey, let's just get this one thing done that we need. Like we currently need stamps at the post office. Need them badly. It's been like four days. You hear this guy? She is like antsy for them. I'm antsy. Well, because John went to the grocery store yesterday and I said, get stamps. They were out of stamps. And they didn't have them. So it was frustrating because we were trying to bulk something and do it all in one place, but they stymied us. Yes. Not that there's a lot of impulse buying at the post office. Right. (laughs) But I think if we go out to do that, it might be easy to say like, oh, but you know, we also could get this while we're out type thing. But if we just keep ourselves at home more and like you said bulk it I think it will help that part of our budget stay low and going back to the food thing and this is sort of like the fourth big thing we learned was that if we cook more at home and go out to eat less which is again something we've been trying to do in general we can save money overall because the reason the food expenses went up over the summer is because like I said food is generally more expensive in Cape Charles like we do have a grocery store and we do have great restaurants But unlike here in Richmond, we don't have sort of those like mid-range dining options. It's like either fast food or a sit-down restaurant with a waiter where at minimum our family of four is going to spend $50. And 
when Cape Charles was this kind of like vacation retreat place for us, it was special to go out and eat and like treat ourselves to a dinner out. But when we were there all summer, that was unsustainable and it also became uninteresting. Right. Like we love seafood, but we didn't want to go out and spend 50 to $90 even twice a week. That yeah. felt excessive. So what we did is we saved restaurants for when people were visiting us. If yes. we were entertaining people or meeting our friends at the beach and going to like the Shanty, which is this great seafood restaurant, we totally did it. But we didn't want it to become a thing that our family of four just did out of laziness. Yeah. We needed to figure out how to eat at home on a budget so that those fun, jovial nights with family or friends were the exception to the rule, not everyday activities. Yeah, the summer was a good kick in the pants to really focus on our goal of eating and cooking more at home than going out because we had very good reason to stay at home and cook, both for the money reasons and for being able to have more variety at home. You know, whereas here in Richmond, the thing we sort of are constantly fighting against is that we're home all day and sometimes it's nice to go out to like Panera. Right. You know, something simple, not terribly expensive. It can be like $22 for a family of four. Yeah, it it was just nice to like get out of the house and we have lots of good options here. So there's a really easy environment here in Richmond to talk ourselves into just going out that night. You know, like a dinner out, it'll be fun. But when we didn't have that in Cape Charles, it was a great time to practice cooking at home more. And I think if we can stick to that when we're here, our food budget will go down. Yes. And mini update, we really have been enjoying Costco for learning different meals and throwing them together quickly. And I I feel like between experiments we've done at the beach, like you talked about making those kebabs with the kids last episode, and also meals we found at Costco, like just delicious combinations of like cauliflower rice and a chicken satay or something. We have a lot of options we didn't have last fall. So I think that also sets us up to save money because half the battle is just figuring out a meal the entire family will eat. That's affordable. That's fast to make. So you don't get in this holding pattern of, I don't know what to make. I don't have any groceries. Let's go out. Yeah. So I feel like the summer, in addition to being a lot of fun and a like great learning experience with a duplex, also was very valuable for us as a family and forcing us to revisit some of our habits and the way that we live back here in Richmond. So I'm really excited for some of these changes that we're going to be able to make moving forward and hopefully stick to for a while. (laughs) Nothing like saying it on a podcast for people to hold you to it. (laughs) Yep. Well, and actually speaking of that, I'm going to dig something this week that is going to be sort of recanting a previous digging that I made. Ooh. You know what this is, but first we're going to take a quick break. Earlier in the year, I fessed up to kind of falling out of our family budgeting habit. You guys had recommended You Need a Budget to us a couple of years ago, you know, before they became sponsors of any podcast episodes. I'd used them for a long time, but I kind of fell off and resolved to get back on my YNAB habit. But... That uh, did not really happen, did it? (laughs) Well, yes and no. And I blame the duplex. It's always the duplex's fault, guys. Anything that goes wrong, just blame our duplex. Okay, here's the deal. Once you securely sync your bank accounts to YNAB, it automatically imports your transactions and learns to categorize your spending. So you get to set the categories and set how much you want to spend in each one every month. The thing I'd gotten bad about was actually setting those monthly budgets because, and this is where the duplex comes in, our spending was just like all sorts of out of whack. Yeah, because it's not normal to buy like eight beds and 12 appliances and like a million sheets and towels. But the cool thing is that YNAB has still been keeping track and automatically categorizing everything in the background. So it's been easy for me to slide back into our budgeting routine now that our spending is finally getting more normal again. Knock on wood. Yes, yes. And YNAB is giving our listeners a free three-month trial when you sign up at YNAB.com slash YHL. That's three times longer than the normal free trial period. There's no code to enter. Just be sure to go sign up at YNAB.com slash YHL. 
Okay, so this week I'm digging something that is literally going to save me like $600 a year, and I feel like I like it more than the thing I used to spend $600 a year on. So to know me is to know that I love beverages. <laughs> that is so weird. John's looking at me squint-eyed. Um, he loves a soda, and I love a buy pineapple drink. It's like my drink I have every morning. And then throughout the day, I would have like a LaCroix or two, and I would have like a hint or two. Those are like flavored waters. One is bubbly, and you guys know what these People are, right? People know these, right? You know hint. It's got like one drop of flavor in it, and the rest is water, and their tagline is to make you love water. Yes, but you pay like a dollar fifty per bottle. Right, and you're like, I know there's only a dot of flavor in this whole bottle. Um, so I was in that habit, and it felt wasteful because it was a lot of cans and bottles, and it felt wasteful money-wise. The thing I love so much is the buy coconut in the morning. Um, I tried a product you squeeze into water, and it did not duplicate the taste at all. So I have done my best to duplicate that without consuming something in a bottle every morning. You've resigned yourself to your buy habit. Right. I think one buy in the morning I'm okay with, but I wanted to cut out all the cans and bottles of LaCroix and Hint later in the day because that was feeling excessive and it was expensive. And so I decided to try at the same time I ordered the squeezy coconut flavoring to try and recreate the buy, which did not work. I ordered these little packets on Amazon called True Lemon and they're just crystallized lemon. It's like dehydrated. It's like astronaut lemon. It looks like sugar. Yeah, It's like powdered like sugar, but it's that dehydrated lemon and it comes in a little like sugar packet. You know, those little paper packets you'd put in your coffee? That's how small they are and you can like throw them in your purse and throw them in the car. Easier than bringing a lemon everywhere with you on the go. And it's no No calories, no sugar. It's less than a gram of carb. There's no artificial sweeteners, no gluten, non-GMO. So this is like created. And nut-free, I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure it's (laughs) nut-free. Dairy-free too. Yes. These are created just to make people like water, which duh, that's what Hint is too. Yes, but the point is that. The point is they're six cents a packet, guys. Six cents a packet. So I get a hundred of them for like $6.30. And I can even drink two a day and it's 12 cents instead of one can of LaCroix and one can of Hint. And some days, guys, it was two cans of LaCroix and two cans of Hint. So that was two to four dollars a day in these canned and bottled beverages to 12 cents a day. And so I love it because I'm not constantly bringing these big containers of things into the house. They're not filling my fridge anymore. I have these tiny packets up where I keep my glasses. It couldn't be more affordable and it's delicious. Like I find the true lemon better tasting than Hint and better than LaCroix. I feel like it made my life better. It's easier and it saved me a ton of money. And can I throw in just a note for people because this is different than the true lemon lemonade or limeade that I've seen on the shelves at our Target and our local grocery store. I haven't seen this anywhere in store except for the Food Lion in Cape Charles of all places. Right, but we get it on Amazon and it comes in 100 packets. Yeah. I just ordered 200 packet sets. It was $12 for 200 packets. That's going to last me for months. Yes, but I almost bought the lemonade by mistake because I thought that's what Sherry was drinking, and I don't think I would have heard the end of it. No, it's full of sugar and bad stuff. I'll link in the show notes exactly what I buy. I'm a huge fan. If you don't think this tastes good, I want to know if you like lemons because it's just lemon water. It's delicious. Well, and the thing that I'm digging this week is, I don't know, maybe sort of a money-saving. It's also a money-wasting thing. (laughs) It's a series of unfortunate events that led to a positive outcome. Yeah, at least a positive spin I'm putting on it. So last year I talked several times... (laughs) 
<laughs> about the Apple Watch I had wanted to buy, then did buy on Black Friday, and then loved, and how it was indispensable to my life. Well, as some of you have noticed in pictures, I've not been wearing it <laughs> because it broke in March. It met an unfortunate end in the upstairs hallway, wherein John uttered a curse word, which is very rare in our marriage. I'm the cursor. John is not. But when I heard that, I was like, something big happened. Well, I didn't think it was big. I was putting it on, and it just didn't fully clip on my wrist, and so it fell from my hand and landed face down on the floor, and the screen cracked. I have owned Apple devices for over a decade, and it is my first screen cracking event. So I panicked a little bit, but I was like, ah, they have all those places that fix screens and stuff like that now. So I took it to one of them and they're like, oh, great. We'll have it fixed in 24 hours. Fast forward three weeks. <laughs> John kept calling back like, just checking. On they're like, watch. oh, we're waiting on a part. Oh, the first part didn't work. We're ordering another one. Finally, three weeks later, they told me that it was unrepairable. <laughs> they kept getting new faceplates thinking it was a bad faceplate. And it was that John broke the motherboard. <laughs> yes. The fall was so severe. It just took the whole thing out. <laughs> So I was disappointed, obviously, because I really liked my watch and I was frustrated that I had spent the money. I didn't have any sort of Apple Care or insurance on it, so I couldn't get it replaced without buying just a whole new watch, which you're presuming might be the end of the story is that I had to shell out another, I forget, was it $300, $400 that I spent on it? Right. But having that three-week window of not being able to wear it and waiting for its repair, I learned that I'm actually okay without it. <laughs> I know this is probably not a revelation to many people, but it really was a reminder how much that was a nice to have and not a need to have. All the things I thought were need to haves, like being notified of texts and being able to change the music from my wrist or to see directions when I was driving, I realized I'm just fine without those things. So I have not replaced it. I've saved myself that money, but here's my asterisk. I may still purchase one. <laughs> oh my gosh, there we go. We've saved all the charging devices I've noticed, which means he's not fully over it because if yes. so, he'd sell the cute little like wood charging device. Well, I did like having it and you've said that you liked how I looked in a watch. No, I <laughs> I did like, I like how you look in anything, honey. I liked that anytime I called John, I always got him because he always had his watch on. So in times when he didn't have his phone, but he was like on a run, I could call him and he'd be panting, but talk to me through the watch. I felt like that was maybe a safety thing he runs like 10 miles well, away from me. <laughs> now I just run with my phone again like I used to. That's true. So I am going to wait to see what the deals are on Black Friday to see if it is tempting enough because I did like it as a nice to have thing. But I just wanted to set the record straight. That it was that not necessary. It was not necessary. And I can admit that now. I also hope you guys will understand if you see me wearing one in November again. <laughs> yeah, if it comes back around on Black Friday. Yeah, I mean, I'm only human. Thanks for listening to Young House Love Has a Podcast. Yeah, and thank you guys for all the excitement last week for our first episode back. With that being the longest time off the podcast, we were half expecting everyone to have forgotten about it. So it was really, really awesome and a pleasant surprise to see you guys tuning in again. Yes, and we got so many new stories about what people do while they listen, like Katie on Instagram, who was 2,000 miles away from home at a work conference when strep throat forced her into quarantine in her hotel room. But we're glad we could keep her company, and I hope you're feeling better, Katie. And as always, you can check out the links, photos, and more info from today's episode at younghouselove.com podcast. This week, the show notes have pictures of our compact clothing situation at the beach house and a look at the current state of our master bathroom. Buzz your girlfriend, woof. That's the current state of our master bathroom. Later. Bye. 
Wait, color. so g- let's go back to poised taupe. Poised was that taupe. just a tan or? Yeah, it was a light tanny. Was it purpley tan? I think so. I don't have the picture in front of me right okay, now. Okay, so we're dealing with there was a purple tan. Before that, there was a hot dog. Before that, there was like a bluish. You're going backwards. Poised taupe, then Oceanside, oh. then Cavern Clay. Oh my gosh, I can't believe hot dog was three years ago. <laughs> no, hot dog was last year. Oh, but you said then cavern. Oh, I was moving forward. Oh. We're going to edit this all out. (laughs) 